Hello, everyone. It is Red Men Radio time. We are back in the country, Chris. Whoop. We made it out of Porto whoop, eventually whoop. and alive. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Uh, we've got a kickoff question. This week comes from Kyle William Hamilton on the Facebook. If you're not onto it, it's facebook.com forward slash the Red Men TV. You both have to manage an all star Liverpool Premier League team. One is a British team, one is a European team. Who's in each starting 11? Um, Mr. Chris Pajak, we did the only fair thing here and flipped the coin. Mm. You drew European. Thankfully. Therefore, I drew British. I, I was dead pleased about that until it turned out that I'd misread the question. Uh, and it does say All-Star Premier League team. Just to clarify, my British 11 uh, <coughs> Liverpool team was absolutely un- the unbeatable combination. of. I probably could get slightly better than this, but Ray Clements, a back four. I put Rob Jones in just for pure nostalgia. Lawrence Hansen, I threw Nicol in for whatever reason. Soon as Gerard Kenny rushed through the middle with a wingers of McManaman and Barnes. Decent spine. Yeah. Decent I don't spine. think spines in football get any better than Clements, Hansen, Sudas, Gerard, Kenny, uh, Rush. No, they don't. Um, but as it turns out, no. You might not even need limbs <laughs> no. with that type of a spine. <laughs> Just a walking spine. Uh, that, t- that spine on its own would beat a lot of teams um, without, as you say, all the extra appendages. Um, but no, it's not. It's Premier League, which means that British is much harder. Basically, much much harder because um, goalkeeper Paul. Yeah. Um, well, let me. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, this is where the this, <laughs> David James. <laughs> I want to desperately want it not to be David James, uh, but my choices are thin on the ground. What era, David James, are you going for? It Post doesn't this. matter. It's just as crap in every single era. I tell you what, no, not the not the N sixty four era. Well, no, that was. There's the problem with David James is there is no era where he wasn't. It, it was there was one brief season I think, and it was. He, when he first broke into the Liverpool team, he was kind of in rotation with Grobelar, uh, and he dropped. I, I think it might have been an FA Cup game. He dropped a corner straight into his goal. It's literally straight at him, down the line, across the face of the goal, and he goes to grab it, and he just drops it straight in the goal. So he was young and he was injured. He was he was uh, accident prone when he first came in, but you could be forgiven um, for that because he was young and he was learning his trade, and he had he did have did a he spell. His trade? Well, yeah, unfortunately, his trade was in being a dodgy goalkeeper. Uh, he. he he had a very brief spell before the Newcastle games, like the first 4-3 game, I think it was, where he was dead good and then they started chanting dodgy keeper and as soon as they started chanting that, that was basically the end of David James's career. Um, so, unfortunately... Although he did play another 7,000 times. Oh, yeah, he was like, he's like the, he's, I think he's still the record appearance holder for the, for the goalkeeper or maybe, maybe the Premier League record appearance holder. He's, he's amazing. Like, um, he had everything, but he, he, but he, wasn't, he wasn't great. Um, you've gone for... I have gone for one Pepe Reina. Simon Minnie, I can call. Uh, no. Pepe Reina, Pepe Reina. Hey, yeah. Yeah, picks himself. Um, give me a back four. Marcus Babel. Yep. That solid. season in 2001. I've gone for Hippier and Van Dyke as my centre back partnership. <laughs> I think that's reasonably good. Uh, and I bow to the committee on this one because we were talking about it in the office. Uh, and I've gone with John Arne Reeser at left back. Interesting. Uh, yeah, that's not far off what I would have. Would have gone with a couple of a couple of changes. I I didn't I didn't even think Van Dyke. Um, if I was to pick holes in it, I'm not sure who's doing your bits and pieces in that team. 
of a, as a centre half of a, a classic partnership, which is where you one need bits one, and pieces when you've got two good players to pick from. Paul. <laughs> but anyway, tell me yours. Jamie Carragher, obviously captain at the back. I uh, your... Nathaniel Klein. Okay, so Carragher is your bits what? and pieces. Okay, and Wright is your commanding. Commanding. Normally, people say cultured when they're doing that, but you notice you've changed it just slightly because you don't have a cultured player. No, 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 commanding, you don't know, your culture centre-half are a myth, your commanding centre-half is your guy who takes the captain's arm and because I've got two of them. Who heads everything clear. Um, no, Sammy Hippie was more commanding than cultured. I'd say he was both. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had that brief spell for a season or two when we first signed him when he wasn't there. He, he lost the ability to pass to Liverpool players. But, the um, yeah, it's not great. Um, I put Rob Jones at left-back because it meant... Uh, otherwise, I had the choice of like Dominic Matteo and Julian Dix uh, amongst a couple of the so I've, I've, I've opted to shift Rob Jones over to the left back slot. Decent. It's the weakest area of my team is defence and goalkeeper. Yeah, you could have. I suppose Carragher would have been a, maybe a stronger left back, but then you, you, you know, no, he's, he's, he's no one. He's my best centre half. Yeah. Yeah, Dix, Ruddick. Mm. Yeah, you've not got a lot to choose John, from. John Scales. <laughs> I like John Scales, but he was he was playing in a Liverpool team that wasn't very good at the end of the day. Yeah, Steve Harkness. No. Anyway, carry on. Um, what formation? Doesn't even like footy, by the way. Um, I've got a fluid four four two slash four three three. Okay. Cool. Why? What's it? Why is it? Why because is the midfield. Because I, I can play either. To be honest, because you've Dirk you've Dirk out in there. Yeah. Okay. Um So uh, let's go with four three three. I've gone Haman as me six. I've gone Alonso and Berger alongside them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty solid uh, midfield three. Obviously, Haman lets the other two play, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> Berger's your attacking of the three players because, you know, scores goals a lot with that left peg of his that was a wand. And then up front, I've gone with Kaut Torres and Anelka. Okay. So you, you've, you've sacrificed balance for getting Anelka into your team? I think Anelka played a lot of his career on the left-hand side, to be fair. Yeah. Did he? He did. He played a lot of Chelsea out, out wide, didn't he? He played on the right. Well, he, can <laughs> he can do either side. He can do either side. He's yeah. a clever footballer. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So I've gone for it. Can be a four-four-two, or it can be a four-one-three-two. Mm-hmm. If we're going ultra attacking, Steven Gerrard anchoring the midfield, doing what Steven Gerrard does. Let him be. Let him be him. Now, because this is. Premier League era. You've got a really bad version of John Barnes in the middle. Yeah, I've got an aging John Barnes, but I've put I've still got him in there. I've got him more in, more in front, just letting him pull letting him pull the strings, let him do what he does. You know, he still has that ability to foray as when and as when and uh, as when necessary. <coughs> McManaman from the right, Sterling from the left, um, Fowler and Owen up front, which is decent, pretty solid. Yeah, pretty you, solid. You you've gone you went for yeah you went for Torres and Elka, didn't you? That's it. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I, I was tempted to put Rush in for a similar like Barn style reason, even though again, Premier League Rush wasn't the Rush, but he's still Ian Rush. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you can, you can, you can. Uh, the name alone stands like Barnes. You just put Barnes in that team. People, people, if, if people choose to take the time out to remember Premier League Barnes, they will do. But when you say Barnes, people will automatically be remembering the classic dribbly wizard that was John Barnes and similarly Ian Rush, you know, his goal scoring antics. But I think, I think that's, I think that's fine. I don't think you're getting much better than that, and that's what you. They're the players that you can pick from, aren't they? Ultimately, yeah, I, I'd, I wouldn't personally have had Barnes in over someone like um, just a, a more modern player because I think that type of Barnes in this type of game 
wouldn't work. Yeah, wouldn't work at all. Like, but yeah, no, it's true. It's um, good to choose from, isn't it? No, absolutely. Um, suppose yeah, yeah, there was a few like McAllister didn't get in there. Henderson could have got in there as well. Jamie Redknapp didn't get a didn't get a look in either. I, 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 I preface John Barnes on the off chance that someone would be listening would would just think he's crammed a lot of. Tricky wingers into that <laughs> into that side, overlooking the fact that he was well past his best by the time the Premier League kicked off. Um, okay, so we've got a few things we're going to get through this week. We're going to get through news and brief in a moment, talking about a transfer stuff, a, a regret of a of a of a Liverpool legend, uh, some potential players that could be joining the Reds, and then a plug, a shameless plug for it for for a show that's more specifically on that. Uh, we're going to discuss Mo Salah and the song that we heard debuted uh, on our Porto trip. Uh, and we're going to be looking ahead to the weekend as well and taking some more of your questions. So very good stuff, looming. News in brief then to kick off, Chris. Uh, Abdullah Decore uh, has discussed Arsenal, Spurs, and Liverpool interested in us. He's basically said, yeah, those teams are interested, but I'm, I'm kind of happy here. It, it, it much as he wants to focus on finishing his season strongly. It's mad how this one's gathered a little bit of pace when it came out of a... A Steehaw flight of fancy about two weeks ago on the Reds News Roundup show when we talked about players outside of the top six that he'd be interested in. And yeah, I mean, we, I think the chat we had at the time was it wouldn't shock you to see Liverpool buy another midfielder, but from, but from the Premier League, because you bring in Cated in, you probably do need one more. You're not going to go out and spend another 50 million quid on a midfielder. You could probably get someone like him for a reasonable. reasonable yeah, it break. makes sense, and this is where the scouting team earn the money, isn't it? You know, they they'll be looking at players across this league, and they won't. I don't think, to be fair, I don't think it matters where they play. I just think there might be a glut of those type of midfielders, and you, you can include the Corey or indeed in there as well, where they would suit what Liverpool wants. And here's the thing: I don't think you're looking for a player who's going to start 45 games yeah. a season. And therefore, you probably are picking them up from a team who's a little bit worse than you. That's it. And I, I mean, a lot of this is going to be prefaced by we still don't understand quite where Naby Keita is going to fit in. You know, that we could we could rebuild the midfield shape completely with mm. someone like him in there, um, or it could just be a simple case of he's coming into. We've said this in the past. He comes in as an upgrade for Wijnaldum. Milner's a year older, so he, he slides down a few more games if he stays at all. Emery Chan's going, so uh, Decore becomes the inevitable replacement for MA. I think we, we looked at his into his stats and he, he very much has the ability to do that. He can play centre mid as well as he can play DM. So be interesting to see what, what comes of it. And inevitably if if, if Arsenal and Spurs are interested in him, particularly Spurs, I've got a very good eye for for, for midfielders. So I, I think we could do a lot worse than than, than look into that. Um Yari Lippman turns forty seven today. Forty I'm sure he's been forty seven for about fifteen years. He played like that when he played for us. Which Forty-seven-year-old, did he? I didn't like him. Man. I know, but that's I not so. Him, but he was. He was. Happy birthday, Yardy. Yeah. Um, Steve McManaman regrets not winning more with Liverpool. I regret Steve McManaman not winning more with Liverpool. Yeah, I, know. I get Liverpool not winning more. Yeah. No matter who, who was wearing the shirt. I mean, I, I'm sure his regrets are tempered heavily by winning Champions Leagues Too with, uh, with, with with Real Madrid. Um, but that being said, you know it's probably your fault, Steve. Um, to be fair, because you were there, and if you'd stayed. You might have helped us win more. Um, Stefan de Vrij uh, has announced that he's going to be leaving Lazio on a free transfer. This is this gone kind of back and forth over the over the Christmas period in particular. We talked about him in November, December. He was heavily linked uh, with the Reds. 
then there were loads of rumours that he'd signed a, a contract with Lazio, so that wasn't going to be happening. I would like to see, personally, Chris Liverpool make a move for him. You've got the Dutch connection with Virgil van Dijk already. He's a very experienced player. He's a good quality player. And again, we should be looking to capitalise. There's a few top quality free transfers floating yeah, around this year. I think that's year. something that Liverpool wants, and you can see that. You know, we, we obviously want a Goretzka. Uh, I think we, we probably took a look at Max Meyer as well. Um, it's something Liverpool want to do because ultimately every club wants to do it. You want to sign someone and save yourself a few bob, don't yeah. you? Especially when the top draw players in Liverpool right now, right now, look like we've got three decent centre-halves, one outstanding, two OKs, I would say, um, and one that I've been happy with in Ragnar Klavan, but can't imagine him staying here for probably next season mm. unless we weren't to sign somebody. If we weren't to sign somebody, I'd be all right with Klavan as your fourth choice, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but we've got to have room for Joe Gomez to grow and maybe yeah. he'll move into the centre as well. But having good players in our squad and being able to not only maybe sign someone like a, a Stefan de Frey, but also be able to sell on one of our others, maybe the number two or number three, yeah. for good money, could be an interesting way of doing things. I think there's very much, if he was to come in, I think that's the end of Matip or Lovren. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't know enough about how he how he plays as a centre-half um, to decide which one he would most effectively replace. But we talked about it before. If you could combine Matip and Lovren, you'd have... Virgil van Dijk you know you'd have a top quality centre half we've got this we kind of got this horses for courses situation where some some centre half sort, sort certain games and others sort, suit others better um, but you're right Gomez I think will naturally be transitioned more towards centre half Clavan probably needs to go anyway just because you could do with upgrading him but it's whether De Vrij would be the upgrade on him and then you're left with kind of what you're alluding to there that's five centre halves all of a sudden I mean, I mean, look. If we can, if we think we can juggle that, it's been a problem area for a number of years. I don't think I, I would not personally complain with having that many quality centre halves, but there is a, a, a logic I think in football that says that's probably it's probably too yeah, many, isn't it? Probably is. I mean, unless the uh, it depends what youth you've got coming through as well, and uh, and how they think of how highly sorry they regard some of the youth players. Um, five's probably too many unless you're looking for three at the back next season. And mm. um, we've seen it three at the back now. What was it, last 11 minutes, wasn't it, against Porto? We saw it against Tottenham as well, although that was probably technically more of a five at the back. Um, I wonder if it is something that we're going to see more and more of. I, I, I don't know, but um, my guess is we'd stick at four at the back. We've been trying to find two centre-halves for long enough. Yeah. Um, trying to find a third just seems like you... Well, that's just mental, isn't it? depends it? on what you use it for, doesn't it? Because, you know, as you say, there might be a, a situation where... It, it's part. It's definitely becoming part of our armory, um, and you don't want a situation. I think where you've got, um, you know, Emre Chan and Eugenie Wijnaldum playing yeah. a, a, as a back three again. We've seen more and more of it this season than we've seen before. So it wouldn't shock to see that. But whether you need four of those guys to be in their prime age. Yeah, it, 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 it does. It, it's a bit suspect for the future of someone else if he wants to come in. Uh, so, more news, uh, Liverpool related news on the Reds News Roundup show coming up this week. Mr. Stehor is back in. He's going to have us on that show discussing some of the stuff that we've touched on here, plus a whole load more <laughs> uh, in much more depth and detail. The podcast version is available if you're interested in the listening side of things. And if you want to see our wonderful smiling faces, then the video version's there for you too as well. Let's get stuck into it then, Chris. First topic. Uh, we were sent a question uh, by Imi actually, and he says, um, well, I'm going to read it verbatim because why not because um, I'm too lazy not to 
his email to you. He says, how are you, mate? I don't know if you've recorded this week's podcast show, but if not, I've got a question. I was wondering if you and Paul wouldn't mind discussing. As you went to the Porto game, I want to know, did you guys realise the impact a new Salah song would have in terms of tackling racism against Muslims, not just in football, but in society? And what do you think of the impact that it has made? I'm asking this as a Muslim myself. He's written an article, which is up on the website now, uh, but he just wanted to know our thoughts on that. I didn't at the time. I had, you know, it didn't feel like we were breaking down barriers or something, but I think the reaction that we saw the next day, Channel 4 did a video on it, and I remember sharing that on Facebook and Twitter and stuff, and I remember thinking, that's amazing. Like, at the time, I was just having loads of fun, mm-hmm. and I think that's what part of it's about, and... Yeah, so I suppose in answer to your question, I didn't really realise what it was, but I now see the significance and importance of it. Yeah, it's funny because I think my initial reaction to it was... Because you can't, you just hear the word and you're not sure. You, you're trying to fathom out what the words of the songs are because there's a load of really drunk people bouncing up and down singing stuff. And there's a couple of new songs there that we were kind of going, what are they saying there? Are they talking about being Muslim? And then your initial thing is to pass it through the filter of... Is that okay? And they just just to check, are we saying something that we're allowed to, that's allowed to be said? Because let's be honest, football chance gets started. There's a, there was a Mane song I think that got started that's not that's not fit for public consumption. There was you know you go back to the uh, Man United Lukaku yeah. one. I think a lot of these things have just started because people people have a laugh and they say things and whatever. And here's the thing, I don't think this this song was absolutely not started in any way of like. We're going to celebrate Muslims. We're going to celebrate Muslim culture. We're going to celebrate the diversity of Liverpool. But therein lies the beauty of Liverpool's fan base, I think, is that it's something that's been done off the cuff. And it's something that, you know, you've, uh, and what it's, what it's led to is a bunch of lads who, you know, from all kinds of different uh, denominations and, and backgrounds and, and ages and, and, and you know, and, and you know, social religion, classes, yeah. whatever, um, basically singing about, you know, it's good enough for me and I'll be a, I'll be a Muslim too. And I, I love the, I love the positive naivety about that. I love the fact that no one's gone e you know why would you, why you say you know what I mean? Like you could imagine there would be some a lot of stupidity and bigotry around that. exactly, exactly. You know it wouldn't shock you with the with the the cliches around football fans. And look, there's plenty of whoppers who go to football football games. Let's not let's not get past that. But I, I love the purity of it. I love the fact that it just started out and people sang it without without questioning it. Mm. You know, and I think that can work both ways to, to some extent. But I think that's a great positive example of how. Um, uh, fan, but, you know, we're not too far removed from Chelsea fans pushing a black guy off a off a train in Paris. You know what I mean? Like European aways. We're not too far removed from some horrendous stuff that that Liverpool fans and football fans in general would do when going on European aways. So I'm dead proud in a really weird way. Not again. Not unlike again. I'd be more proud in some respects, I guess, if it was like a properly if, if people had gotten together and decided to do it. But equally. On the flip, I do actually like the spontaneity of it. If that, if that yeah, makes sense. the chance amazing for yeah. a start, like that, you know, and the players amazing. And I'm a big dodgy fan, Chris. That, you know, football's such an inclusive sport, isn't yeah. it? I mean, you know, not to go too too in depth on on religion and racism on this and stuff, but I think people don't see race and religion and colour when they're looking at a football kit that they understand and that they love. Yeah, I think that's that is a mad. Just a crazy part of life where even racists 
probably don't think racially about the footy because yeah. they love something so much yeah. that they, they're just blinded to it. And that's yeah. one of the things that I love about football well, is that yeah. it just football in itself breaks down the fucking barriers. Yeah. And that's an incredible thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, you, you know, I, I've made mention of this on, on, on videos in the past, but, you know, we're, we're just... It, within our lifetime of support and football, you know, it's it's changed massively. And, you know, I still go back to the days of, you know, I remember being at games and hearing monkey chants and, and, and hearing and seeing bananas thrown up footballers and stuff like that. Like, it, and it's mad to think about it, but it's just not that long ago. And it's not that long ago since, you know, there was a, you know, there was a lot of racists at the, at the football. And you're right, I'm glad that there's something there that can kind of bridge the gap. And here's the thing, the reason why initially we kind of but went... Is that you know you have to run it through the filter in your head? Is because the word Muslims become a real it's a hotbed, you know what I mean? Because you just don't know what's going to come of it, and it's it's a word that's being spun in the media to carry so many negative connotations mm. that inevitably you can't help but immediately go, I need to just check this first just to see is are we say is someone that's taking a stand against this? Being Red Men TV and being just us going to the game though isn't yeah. it because I don't think we would have had to do that and yeah. I certainly wouldn't have done that well, I mean, had we not been recording it but yeah. we were recording it you know what I mean yeah. I don't think it would have mattered to me I wouldn't have filtered it had it with I wouldn't have filtered it with as much care yeah if it wasn't, if I was just singing it and I wasn't recording, yeah. I'd have just got up into the moment of it a little yeah. bit more because I, I didn't think there was anything racist about it yeah. because the words are like, I'll be Muslim. That's, that's basically saying I want to be a Muslim. Yeah, yeah, so there's exactly. fuck all racism yeah. involved in it. Oh, absolutely. But when you've got a... When you've got an audience and people who listen to you and watch your stuff, you do owe them due diligence yeah. as well. Yeah, and yeah. that's the thing why. Yeah. And I think even though, I think some people are applying this due diligence for no reason. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a few people. And I, I, again, it's because people think it's a, it's that way. People are scared of that word. They are because get a loads of words. Well, exa- Western media exactly. has pretty much done that exactly, and that you know, and that's like, and that's just because when you see that word, you are it is so often associated with 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 negative things that you kind of it's an, it is just an immediate reaction to go. Hang on, oh no, something nice is being said. Oh great, fantastic, and, that, and that's what I love about uh, one of the things I love most about this football club, is that it's we just don't care. You know, if you're seeing right wing views, then odds are they're not going to fit in with the mentality of the vast majority of Liverpool's fan base. And, you know, and, you know, again, I'm not saying it's exclusively Scousers who are over in Porto. It's not, but it is that there is very much a, a hotbed of young Scouse lads who go away and, and, and do that kind of thing more than I see in big groups at Anfield. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. certainly. Absolutely. Um, and when you see the lads who are bouncing to it, and these are lads who are in the, the late teens and the early and the very early 20s, that's, Amazing because these lads are the the future of Liverpool's fan base. You know, some of them might be have been raised, but we're hoping now they're like a they're almost a generation removed from it's your it's the the grand it's your granddad or your great granddad now who's the last generation of those who who are doing that. We're, we're, we've got a far more open minded, a far more tolerant. Um, to be fan fa- base. to be fair, Paul, you just have to walk down the street any in any cosmopolitan area of the country. Yeah. And you just see there's a more diverse group of young kids than there were when we were growing up. Yeah. And and I'm sure we were much the same to the generation above us yeah. and the generation above them. And it's a, it's an amazing thing. The thing that I, that I really like is, again, it's the reaction to it from a, from Liverpool Liverpool's Muslim fan base. And, you know, I guess uh, beyond. Look, I can't, I can't speak 
for them it's not you know I, I don't it's like me, me speaking about racism it's hard for me to for me to for me to talk about it when it's not something I've ever experienced the same to the same sort of level and what have you but when you it gets forgotten sometimes that the positive that we need a bit of positive I say PR. I mean, I don't mean it to be so cynical, but you know, it was overlooked when we had like the Luis Suarez, Patrice Evra stuff. How um, it was perceived to uh, Liverpool's black fan base. So certain people who, who spoke to me were like, you know, I, I, I took that. I was very hurt by that. I didn't want to go to Anfield mm. off the back of that because Liverpool were, whether rightly or wrongly, whether it was true or not, perceived to be supporting someone who was racist. So to have that and you know, and to see the the outpouring of like, wow, thanks, you know, I got that great from Muslim supporters. It shouldn't be underestimated about how such a simple thing. As that, you know, I, th- I think you know Liverpool have a, have a bad reputation. I think um, from outside of the city sometimes, and a lot of that is just, you know, and, and to some extent, rightly so, lingering from your, your Heisels and what have you. Um, but we moved on as a, as as a society and as, as a culture and as a city so much since then, and it's great for Liverpool to be in the news in a positive sense. Yeah. And football fans, because again, football fans get a lot of, get a lot of stick. Football needed this, um, and even if it is just a bit of a happy accident. You know, it's just something that, that that's been done. It's a bit daft that's been picked up. Great, I, I no reason why we should give it any less credit than it deserves for, yeah, for what it is. Exactly right. Yeah, I'm pleased with that. Um, really pleased. Um, but yeah, some some absolute belter songs. If you want to see that song actually, and you want to know the the words to it, that's on the the YouTube channel at the moment. So go to youtube.com forward slash the Red Men TV, and it's there with lyrics. Very very good stuff. Um, just a little plug before we move on. We uh, our first guest. Columnist this week, Chris. And where'd you go from here as well, Paul? Where'd you go when you've gone and got that? I mean, I, 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 with the greatest respect to all the people who are going to follow, because we've got some great people lined up following. You know, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to make it too hard for them. Oh, disrespectful to me, but for me, we've got Paul Tompkins as our first guest columnist on the RedmenTV.com. Uh, written an amazing piece around, you know, the, the, the sort of in some respects the lack of love that certain members of Liverpool squad unduly get, mm. uh, and the quality that Liverpool do have in some of the guys who, who, uh, who, who put the hard yards in for the club. Fantastic stuff. It's a it's a very long read. It's a it's a big poo read. Sit down, you know, park yourself. Don't get the newspaper out. Get your phone. Make sure you wash your hands afterwards if you're putting your phone to your face. But you know, sit down, enjoy. Paul Tompkins on the RedmenTV.com. And yeah, I, I, where do we go from there? You'll have to make sure you're on the website on a regular basis to find out. But a, a, an amazing first half. Such, from, a, such a good read. Like, yeah, such a good read. You know what I'm chuffed about? I put a little tweet out about this. I used to read Paul's stuff when he wrote for the official website. Like going back ten years or more now, and I was living at home, and it was like uh, Liverpool were up and down a bit, and. Um, he used to, he used to just, I put these shining rays of upbeat positivity, but not like, not like happy clappy bollocks. There's always like scientific reasoning behind what he does. There's an understanding of football. There's a tactical understanding. There's a, a, a statistical understanding behind what he does. It's not just blind opinion. In a world where anyone can write a, a blog, and some people can just copy and paste blogs and put them out um, to have Paul do um, you know put put you know dedicate five thousand words to it five and a half thousand words in fact to to a to a subject matter to Liverpool you know there's some genuine craftsmen uh, and women out there and uh, Paul's one of them and I'm, I'm I'm privileged to have one of my favourite not just Liverpool writers but writers in general on the team so yeah great go on go and read that it's boss um, so Chris looking ahead to the weekend then West Ham uh, Davy Moyes 
returns to uh, uh, to to Scouseland and, and a ground where he's never won. He can't have won here, can he? No. He's, he's shit, mm. basically. Mm. He's not a football genius, or is he? Or is he? Who knows? Um, he's a football genius in the comical oh, football genius way. In terms of being a genius at being a football manager, not so much. It's a game that's massively important for Liverpool again, isn't it? <clears throat> we say this every single well, week. Well, look, Jurgen Klopp said this, Chris. You know, he said there are there's there's no unimportant games left. There's no prioritising an unimportant game. Yeah. You know, for Liverpool ever. Yeah. That's uh, you know, uh, in the seasons anyway. Um, it's massive though because of the games that are going on that weekend. Yeah. Manchester United playing Chelsea this weekend. That's the one. You know, for we me. can we can get into second place, and conceivably there's a good chance of us staying in second place. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, me and Si were looking at a website. I'm going to do this on the stat show that's got us. Uh, computer that comes second in the Premier League this season okay. so we'll look at that in next week's stat show uh, in a little bit more depth and detail but yeah massive game he's got them I was speaking to Nicky from West Ham Fan TV a few weeks ago and he said he's got them if not playing good football they're a lot fitter than they were mm-hmm. um, so they're running around a lot more and they can cause us a little bit of a little bit of stress but he fancies at Anfield, don't you, in that three o'clock? Yeah, I mean, this is one of those games where we've we've been on the receiving end of this for a few weeks now, where we've played late in the weekend, and there's been a lot of there's been a lot of pressure on us to to do stuff. Three o'clock Saturday, particularly with that Chelsea game, uh, Chelsea United game to come on the Sunday, it would be a nice. time off for us yeah. as well. well no, but this is Although the, the last the last time we came back from a training camp, we were particularly poo poo. Yeah. I know. There's, there's talk about. I mean, that's the issue. Part of me, part of me looks at it, and from a pure, from my pure and base understanding of fitness, and from my own personal, since my personal experience of the last week, like I'm done in. I'm dead. I'm. I was so done in after last week's exertions of just travelling and, and and largely drinking. Um, but the. <laughs> For me, the fact that we've had that weekend off, I think, is a good thing. I think that's that's your last. I know there's an international break at Loom, and it's, I think it's in March, but you, it's a good staging area. I think now, you know, we've got some we've got some important games to come. A lot of our rivals are playing this week in the Champions League and in Europe. You know, Arsenal have played have played twice since we will have played twice since we last since we last played. Obviously, Chelsea have got Barcelona coming up. Is that tonight? Tonight. Um, yeah. So you know, there's there's some. I think we're in a good state here. The concern is just whether we can find that, that yeah, rhythm I think, again. I think sometimes you you tend to find that when they go on these like training things and stuff, there is a dip before you get into the peak. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember reading a lot about this around the cycling and stuff like that and, and how you build fitness up and what it does to your muscles and stuff. And maybe someone will be able to let me know, actually. Um, but... You you you're not building for the next game. You're yeah. building for all of the games, and you're building to make your fitness better over the next two months, aren't you? So you can expect a little dip, maybe at the beginning before they. In cycling, they call it find your legs. Yeah. You know, and they normally say around the third week of a grand tour that they've found the legs. Yeah. And it's mad that it takes them. Well, essentially two weeks of riding 220 kilometres a day to find your best fitness, but that's what happens. Yeah. That's the way that it is. That's the way that you build your muscles up and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, even with a little bit of dip in fitness, we're better than them. The thing that we've got, and I think that we've had by, you know, they've gone and done the camp in Marbella, is just that get a bit of a tan for a start, but also like the team bonding side of things that we always totally underestimate, and it's something that's the absolute crux of what Jurgen Klopp does in building that team team unity and you know that was such a great result in Porto it gives the lads a little bit of a chance to 
celebrate. You know mm. what I mean? To give themselves a fair, fair due congratulations. But also, again, just to get people back together again, get them together as mates. Here's the thing. I think you're right. And I think there's, people should be looking at that and talking about that because prior to the Porto game, there was probably a still Phil Coutinho-shaped hole in that squad. Yeah. But you go away and you come back and there's not. You know what I mean? And it's a, a slight mentality shift or whatever, but you've bonded with everybody. Yeah. You, you know, you, you've got your, your little clicks and all that well, type of stuff. They had, and you didn't need him for that well, game against well, Porto. Well, exactly. Well, they had that, didn't they? After, we sold him and then we had that, the, did we go to Dubai or something? We had a, we had a warm weather training camp. And I agree. I think there's, that will have been them going, right, he's gone now. Let's double down, folks. We've got the spell of games. Now, we've had that spell of games and yeah, we had the disappointments of Swansea and West, uh, Brom. West Brom within that. But... All told, that period of time saw us beat Man it's City like five games as, well. as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the real, a, 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 a draw, albeit against, a tough draw against Spurs, but then beating Porto, they get to come to the end of that little period, get together again and go, he goes, look, we told you. These are the games when you you did what we asked and look what happened when, when, when we did this. Little time for assessment and self-reflection, I think, puts us in a very, very good stead. And it's interesting, I totally forgot. It's totally gone off my radar, but um, it's the League Cup final on Sunday as well. Totally forgotten about that. Remember that? Remember that as a thing? No. Uh, yeah. Um, like Arsenal as well. All their focus. The two two Europa League games and a League Cup final where conceivably they could get absolutely buried by Man City off the back of them. And then, out the FA is their next Premier League game Man City again? Because it's, it's early March, that isn't is a it, for them? Like, shout. Let me just have a I know that that, that, that was the game that was scheduled for this weekend, believe it or not. So, yeah. So, they've got... Yeah. Yeah. So, they've got... To come between now and now and uh, the fourth of March, they've got Osterlund's two games against Man City, uh, and then and then Brighton. Um, yeah, that's um, that's interesting times for Arsenal Football Club. They they could be in revolt if they don't win that. You know, I mean, Man City. You know, Man City can't lose the final after after the FA Cup Ooh. against Wigan. I mean, but, otherwise but, they're in a spin. Yeah. And then Arsenal beat them in the league and the gap's only 13 points apart. <laughs> <laughs> but they've not won in three games. Yeah, absolutely. Guardiola's is, punching people out left, right and centre. Right. It happens Aguero though. Aguero gets a big ban. We, we have this. Jesus is injured. The league's ours, lads. Yeah, Come on, league. let's go. The league is ours. It happens every every time we get one of these teams though, doesn't it? You get a team that everyone goes, as soon as someone says the quadruple is on, Guaranteed, they will lose the next available opportunity to win a to win a piece of that, You know that Wigan game that pissed me off. Why? Because I wanted to be the only team that beat them all season <laughs> long. I just want I you know the league's look, the league's gone the league's done and dusted. But I want I think it's important that Man City lose a few games because I want them. I mean, look, there's a possibility that Pep could use that as like motivation or whatever. But I think it's more motivation for the rest of the league. I think the rest of the league needs to see in that that them losing to Wigan. And they put a decent side out for that game as well. That that's a good message to a lot of to a lot of teams watching that because there's one thing Liverpool, who are in my mind the second best team in the league this season, beating them at home. But you know, Wigan for fuck's sake, you know that that does it. There'll be other teams you take so half the plan here. Get get Delft sent off. Yeah, but no, but the, but the point is, is that he's an idiot. Yeah, he's, he's basically just fucked the quadruple for his it's teammates. Mad, he's going to be ostracised for that group. It's mad. It wasn't even that bad a tackle. Like it was. Um, the 
but the point is, is that whether whether it reveals a tactical approach to it is irrelevant. There's a mental approach to things, and Man City have come very close to losing games and dropping points as this season's gone on, and they've ridden the luck, and they've you know they've had that they've developed that fear factor where they've been able to go to the last few minutes and stick one in in the 94th or, or whatever. All of a sudden, though, it starts to creep in in their mindset, and it starts to creep into to opponents as well that like. No, this is not. This is not a foregone conclusion. That's all you need. I'm not saying. And again, I'm not saying you that want players gonna... to walk out on the pitch not thinking they've lost. Yeah, and that's what that Wigan game will do. Yeah, and look, but Man City. The more the more points dropped and games lost for Man City between now and the end of the season, the better, because for the start, it's going to make us look better. So I think Liverpool are going to have a strong end to the season. I think we're prime for the two. If they can just drop a few points, it it will. It, we've talked about this for a, what for a few weeks now. It. Gives back context to how well we've played. Mm. You know, if you can, if you can, if you can finish in single figure points behind them after they've had this magnificent season, then it's something you know that even at their best, it's it's achievable. Because if you can get, if it's nine points, I can find nine points in Liverpool season, even now, and say. That's how we they're, start they're, with Tottenham. Well, exactly. There's one though. You fucking start with Watford away. You know what I mean? And work you and work your way from there. There you can you and then you can start to prime yourself mentally for the next campaign. You're not going into it going Man City are unbelievable. Man City are unstoppable. You're going into it thinking enough. They've got all this money. They've done all this. They've got the best manager in the world. The best players in the world. And they had the best season the Premier League's ever seen. And we only finished. X points behind them. Pff, go ahead, we're up, we're up for that this time around. Um, can you see Arsenal getting anything out of that game? No, really not. No, not really. Like, uh, I just think they're shit. To be honest. <laughs> just, yeah, I don't want. They're, they're just shit. Yeah, they're just they they're not relevant to the top four race anymore. I don't think they ever really were this season. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a manager who doesn't know what he's fucking doing. They've got players who are doing whatever the fuck they want. They've got a fan base that's fucking nuts. Yeah, they're a pretty shit club. They're a big club, but they're a pretty shit club, and they're really badly run over the last few years. Yeah, I I could honestly. And yet I, they've still won more fucking trophies than us, which no, is nuts, no, isn't it? Well, no, that's fair play. Like, but that's the thing. That's for me. I could see Arsenal winning that, and it's because look. I say four 0 or five 0 to City. Really? I, I think they'll fucking tonk them. I've got to see. I could see that being like a two a two one to to Arsenal, and if and it being what would Aubameyang you rather happen? The, what do you mean? What would you rather happen a two one to Arsenal or a five 0 demolition of them? You know what? Honestly, I I I think you're right. I think Arsenal have done as a power in the, in the league until they totally restructure and revamp so or whatever. So would you give them that little? So, but I. I one it's, more year it's kind of win-win because I think I think if Arsenal win it I think that's the end of them for this season I think that's their season objective met I think they fall off because a lot of teams like that fall off a cliff after winning that trophy um, but can you imagine what the meltdowns are going to be like if they lose that yeah. and that's their only chance of silverware this season I mean Europa League notwithstanding of course I don't know I I, I, I think it sets them up I think it, but you know I I, I want Man City's just. I want Man City's mentality to be smashed, and I think all of a sudden there's been no crisis talking Man City. I've said this a lot. The media glare points at one of the top six any given weekend. If Man City lose that, having been not, they've gone from in the space of a week they've gone from being on for the quadruple as this this incredible Uber side in Europe to all of a sudden it's the, probably a, the Premier League's the only likely. Yeah, one. and look, we've we've no idea. Um, 
you know, they're, they're going to get through. The, they're, gonna, they're already as good as through to the to the to the quarters of the Champions League. But then it just it does it just adds pressure to everything they're doing, and it means that the press are going to be talking negatively about them and blah blah blah. So there's no there's it's kind of win win. I. I I think I'd rather just see Arsenal's end exacerbated. I agree. Arsenal to get demolished means that it, all the anti-Venger talk ramps up completely. That totally dominates all the news and it means that no one has to worry. We, Liverpool can have a little wobble and Arsenal just going to be the, the headline news for weeks to come. So I, I, think I'd ra- I think I'd rather Arsenal win, but I do think that City are going to snot them. What about Man United-Chelsea then? Um, Chelsea, Chelsea are not in that good form. Are they? They've lost a couple. The last Premier League games, I believe. So um, they obviously won in the cup, didn't they? Um, was that against Huddersfield or something? So uh, they've won. The, yeah, they beat Hull in the, Hull, in the sorry, cup yeah. and they beat West Brom in the Premier League three um, nil. Is the last that, two games of and they lost to Watford and Bournemouth heavily before that. Um, so yeah. they've been up. They've been up and down, haven't they? Yeah. Is this one at Stamford Bridge? This is at Old Trafford. Old Trafford. Mm. I can't see Man United going for the win here. And I think that gives Chelsea an opportunity to win the game. It's interesting. It's a really interesting. It's one of those where I'd, it's another one of those games. I've said this for a few of these big games lately. I think a draw suits us. In the, if we're playing the long game of the full of the full season, I think there would be a temptation, deal or no deal style, to take a Man United win because it helps cement Liverpool's... If we can win against West Ham, of course, it helps to cement our top four thing, because it helps us to put... what we were. That would be a four-point gap over Chelsea if we were to win our game, um, which is a healthy a healthy gap. It means that Spurs probably... I think they've got Crystal Palace away. I think they potentially then step up, and then the pressure's all on, all on, on Chelsea, which is great. But I think, we, I think we can haul Man United in. And I think we can. I think we can have our cake and eat it in that regard. I think a draw yeah. sets us up quite I'd, nicely. I think to I'd rather Chelsea win. I think I really would. And you know, I know Manchester United are ahead of us, and I'm basing this probably off my hatred for them more than anything else, rather than looking at how they've played in the league and stuff. But I think we're a better side than them. I think us and Tottenham are, are much better than United and Chelsea this season. I think we've got the better side. We've got more ability to score goals. Um, Chelsea will fuck up against random ass teams, and yep. that's what Chelsea have done so far this yep. season. So I'm I'm happy for them to take a win here, yeah, because Man United under Mourinho have got that. It's just very difficult to beat still. Yeah. Um and they can they can grind out results. So I'd rather get a quick loss in on Manchester United and get them get a couple more draws throughout the season. It is a good point, actually. I wouldn't I wouldn't like to you know, it'd be nice to well there'll come a point I think the game at Old Trafford's gonna be massive, us against them. Um but you wouldn't want to have to win that. It would be nice for Mourinho to be like, Well, I'll take a point and we'll be like, Great, we'll have a point. Point's fine. Points fine for us. Um, Just by the way, though, we're taking three. I'll take three. Um, great question comes in from Josh Wright, uh, again via the Facebook. Uh, Twitter people need to up your game big time here um, favourite Liverpool goal you've seen live? Mine, even though I was young, was Torres' Van Basten goal against Blackburn. I struggle with these because my memory is absolutely atrocious. Um, there was one that, that stood out for me and that was Daniel Sturridge's. I had to go and check uh, I had to actually Google Daniel Sturridge's top 10 Liverpool goals and make sure it was at home and I did see it live because it's funny, I remember the highlights, but I remember the camera angles and all that type of stuff rather than it actually happening live. But Daniel Sturridge's little chip against West Brom was one of my favourites. Um, yeah, and Mo Salah in, again, I've got a really poor memory, so Mo Salah this week was really nice to see live. Yeah, um, I um, for me... 
recently, Dejan Lovren, Dortmund, mm. just for the like the emotion of it yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, because I've seen great goals. Like there's what Steven Gerrard scoring against Man United back in like 2001. The one where it's kind of caught under his feet, and he somehow just smashes it in the top bin. Like that's ridiculous. I've seen Robbie Fowler score goals in Merseyside derbies. The one where we hadn't won for, for Yonks. The one that was the sniffing the white line leading up to that. You know that game, not that because he scored a penalty, but the. Um, I've seen some some just great goals, but the Dejan Lovren one, I have not felt euphoria like that. The only closest thing I've had to that, funnily enough, was Mo Salah Spurs when I thought we'd won it. Like the the outpouring of emotion yeah. of people just just diving over each other and what have you. They they're very very similar feelings to that. And that Dejan Lovren one was just because of what it meant and because that was the the most important goal at that time. That I'd seen in a in a very very long time, and again the, the celebrations and all that, and then just how what it then led to is we all then poured out onto the streets afterwards and stuff. Was, yeah, I'd, go, I'd have to go with that. Um, fantastic! Thanks very much, Josh, for the question. Thanks very much, everyone who sent their questions in this week. We do this every single week, so thank you very much for sending them in, and please do for next week as well. Just a little reminder to you then. If you enjoy Red Men Radio and you want more, you can have more. Up to 20 exclusive podcasts on the RedmenTV.com every single month. It's £5 a month. It's free for the first month. And now, because we've upgraded our technology, because we love you guys, you can get those exclusive subscriber podcasts into your podcast app as well. So you don't even need to go directly to the website. If you've got a method by which you listen to podcasts, you can just integrate your Red Men Radio listening experience into that uh, and get all those phenomenal phenomenal things um, we've got the Man of the Match podcast Chris has been doing exclusive podcasts every week um, with celebrated journalists around the northwest getting the inside take on Liverpool Football Club uh, we've got the Final Word Show when we can't get a Final Word Show to you instantly we do the Instant Match Reaction podcast making sure we've got every aspect of the Mighty Reds covered for you Chris how good is it on a scale of 1 to 10 well there's no scale but the answer is 10 the answer is 10 the answer is 10 it's the most anything can be correct um, brilliant thank you very much been a pleasure being back in the studio it has I been, haven't been here for so long it's been really nice yeah um, I've spent quite a bit of time at this desk over the last day but yeah, yeah. it's been nice to sit with you but all it? good stuff great thank you very much for listening thank you very much for subscribing if you're a redmentv.com supporter and uh, walk on <laughs>